You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tripes up by your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. We're live on the Gazette Brother Facebook page and later on our podcast channel. If you are listening on the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe and share the podcast with your brother supporting friends and family. We'll come to you, Craig, first of all. An excellent result for Middlesbrough last night. A win over Sheffield United. And going into this game, Craig, it was one that I think we all felt Middlesbrough needed to come away with a victory. It was taught that, you know, if they went a couple of goals down, if they got beat, things could start turning towards the manager. However, they've come away with a victory. It was a good performance. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. What you say that I'm not certain if it was one that needed a victory. I think they definitely needed a performance. Uh, something you know to kind of lift the mood and, and give people a bit of hope after what has been a, a frustrating and poor start of the season. Uh, pre-match, I was quite concerned because you know, as I say, th- there was that obvious kind of mood from supporters where you know there wasn't any much satisfaction in how the season had been going so far, and and Sheffield United were of course arriving in, in such good form. They'd, turn their early season wars around and and naturally being one of the three sides that have come down from the Premier League, they're naturally one of the strongest sides in the division. So I personally feel like it had they have just put in a good performance last night and, and maybe got a draw or, you know, narrowly lost but given a lot of kind of, you know, to be optimistic about. I think that might have been enough last night as long as they then went to Hull on Saturday and, and won. Uh, purely because of the strength of the opposition. But yeah, I mean, totally blew those kind of pre-match concerns out of the window. I mean, I'm not quite sure where what we saw last night came from, to be honest. But, uh, you know, plenty, plenty to unpack. I think, for me, the the key was in that midfield. I know a lot of what Warnock said pre-match, um, you know, caused a stir, upset a lot of fans. Um, but ultimately putting Paddy McNair back into that midfield along Johnny side Johnny House and it worked a treat and, and you saw immediately there that what Warnock was referring to before the match about how Martin Piero and, and James Lee just aren't quite up to speed yet in the championship and and you know the the significance that that has because I think for me certainly since Sam Morsey left that was the first time we've seen Middlesbrough win a midfield battle and not look overran or overwhelmed in the midfield. And, and that made all the difference for me last night. Dom, what stood out for you? I mean, do you agree with Craig there that the, the way one accept the midfield, that was probably the, the most, the key part to the victory? Yeah, the midfield balance hasn't looked right for most of the season. It was it was way off at Reading. Um, 
Housen and Piero played there. And um, Piero, through no fault of his own, really, just a little bit over-enthusiastic at times, almost trying a little bit too hard on the ball, letting the tackle. And, and, and Johnny Housen was overrun as that kind of sole holding midfielder. Warnock said as much after the game. Um, so that was always going to change. And then we knew what Warnock said on Monday about Piero and Saliki. So... Um, it was always going to be House and Hand. I did suspect it'd be McNair if not bringing Crooks back into that into that role. Um, I, I think I th- he, he went last night for players. You often find, don't you, when managers not so much under pressure, but when managers need a result to go for the players who they trust, and that's exactly what he did on on Tuesday night. He's known Sol Bamber and Lee Peltier. I mean, he has to play Peltier, but Peltier is absolutely uh, deserving of his place in the team at the minute, regardless of who's fit and who's injured. I think he's been excellent. Um, to, you know, he knows Sol, Sol Bamber's his right-hand man, isn't he? So he brought him back in when, uh, you know, he could have played Hall. Um, went for McNair in midfield, brought back Watmore into the attack. Um, and and it, it, I, fair play, he got, a, he got a reaction because I think... You know, I, I I disagree with Craig. I think they needed a result last night. I think, given how disappointing the start had been, even if it had been a decent performance, I think to come away with another defeat, it'd have almost just kind of, that have that have been a feeling of resignation, really. And you don't want to go down that road. Um, I, I don't think a draw would have been a terrible result with a good performance, as long as you go and build on it. But to win, to win well, uh, is such a springboard now. Um, but just quickly going through the team, Saul Bamba was immense. I know we're going to talk about him more uh, later, so I'll, I'll just keep it at that. How The midfield, as Craig said, finally got the balance right. I thought what more made a big difference uh, is energy. Uh, right from the start, he was chasing lost causes. He, was, he wasn't giving Sheffield United a minute to settle. It was, it was everything from Borough that it wasn't at Reading. You know, they, were, they made Sheffield United uncomfortable. They snapped into tackles. They pressed high. They, they knocked the ball about at speed. They did none of that at Reading. If they, were, if they had done, they'd have beaten Reading. Um, so it was excellent. It shows what they're capable of. But we now need to see more of it. It can't just be a, a one-off. We will talk about Bamba in a moment. Warnock said after the game that while Bamba got man of the match, it could have been any one of the other 10 players as well. Just let's talk about the goals, Craig, just quickly. I mean, Watmore's finish was absolutely spectacular. I just love the fact that he never got his head up. He just instinctively knew where the goal was. And the commentator on Sky was saying that they have practiced a bit in training, uh, the shooting practice to make sure they can make more of the chances. Um, It clearly looks like it's paid off with goals like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been the shooting practice in training, but to be fair, we saw that from Watmore a lot last season as well. He he scored a couple of his goals. Um, the 10 that he did get last season were similar goals where, you know, almost out of nothing or in what you might call positions that um, that you might not expect him to take a shot in. He, he created something out of nothing and, and got the rewards for it. But what was particularly pleasing about that Watmore goal as well was just the whole team move. Um, you know, Bamba played that ball out of defence, um, and it was, you know, a heavy ball. I think we can call it out towards Bowler on the on the left wing. But Mark Bowler's touch to bring that ball down and in his control, uh, under his control, was absolutely exquisite. It was a wonderful touch. He played that lovely little one too with Matt Crooks, and then when he got the ball back, he spotted that little run of Watmore, uh, and that's when he fed it through. And uh, you know, just just that lovely little bit of build up and team move the way it all worked it was uh it was nice and as i say what more does have a, a knack of um 
of kind of scoring in those situations where you maybe don't think he's in a, a goal scoring position. And Dom just taught us through the second goal because again it was a nice goal, but you know I like the back heel from Spore and McNair, you know, put it away. Just talk us through that one and what you what you picked out. Yeah, again, bowler at the heart of it. I thought he was he was an option, especially in the first half. He was an option down that left side um, because he was obviously told to get forward at every possible opportunity without the kind of natural width of Jones and Hernandez. Um, and he, he, he was he was always there as an out ball, and obviously he was him who put the ball in. Sporar's touch was quality. I, I, he was he was full of. I thought he was looking not to get sent off in the second half for the for the head. Kind of wasn't a head, but movement of the head. Um, yeah, I thought it was fortunate there, but it, but it showed it, it showed um, why you want an experienced manager like Warnock, though, in charge, didn't it? Because as soon as that happened, he was off down the tunnel, you'd been substituted yeah. because Warnock knew that um, at 2 0, you get a sending off, then the game can can easily turn. The thing is, though, and, and I'm not I'm not saying I want to see my strikers headbutt defenders, but. I, he plays on the edge, doesn't he? He's got that little bit of niggle about him. And I, and I think, you, I don't think, I know Warnock will love that. Um, he talked last week, didn't he? He was, he was talking up Isaiah Jones. It absolutely wasn't a criticism. But he said, then he's such a lovely lad. And then he kind of said, I might have too many lovely lads, really. Um, you, you know, I haven't spoken to Andras Spora. He probably is a lovely lad. But he's 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 also got that little bit of niggle about him, hasn't he? Which which I think Warnock, which I think Warnock are like. Um, and he's got bags of quality as well. His his movement and his touches in the first half in particular were excellent. Um, and he, he benefited, didn't he, from having Watmore buzzing buzzing around him? And you know he he was fight. He wasn't great at Reading, but he was fighting a losing battle. Um, I think kind of Crooks as as with Crooks as the loan support man. Um, he, he looked a bit lost, but I thought he was excellent. And then McNair, you know, we know McNair can do that. I think kind of, you know, the the debate goes on, doesn't it? The age-old debate is do you play McNair in defence or midfield? Um, but he showed last night why he sees himself as a midfielder. Well, certainly plenty to talk about. But the one subject I really wanted to get onto, Craig, was that of Soul Bamba. I even wrote a little song about him this morning, which I'm not going to sing because Craig didn't enjoy it um, when I told him about it. But he was instantly man of the match for me. I mean, he got man of the match from Sky. Warnock also said he was man of the match. It's 36 to play the way he did uh, last night. After everything he's been through, you know, he's had limited, uh, you know, competition game time. He was absolutely superb last night. I've got some stats here somewhere. I've written them down. So, Saul Bamba, eight clearances, tops the table there. Two block shots, two interceptions. Wins five out of five of his aerial duels. And the other thing that really stood out was his passing ability as well, Craig, especially on the long balls. Um, he hit six out of eight. I think the, f- the first goal or the second goal, was it? That was um, He was involved in one of those as well with a, with a long ball um, out to the left. Just sum up his performance. Yeah, I mean, you can't sum it up any better than all those stats that you just read out. I mean, he's, he's a proper defender, isn't he? And he used all of his experience last night. Um yeah, absolutely immense. I think particularly second half where um, Sheffield United obviously threw on McGoldrick, the second striker, and naturally two goals down, took the game more to Borough and looked to try and get back into the game. It just felt like every time the ball went anywhere near Borough's box, Saul Bamba was there. Uh, you know, whether it was, like you say, blocks, headers, reading the game and, and, and putting in last ditch tackles and things like that. Bamba just appeared to be there all the time. Listen, he's, he's 
I, I don't even know if that's part of his age or whether he's always been that, but he's, he's he is a big kind of brutish player. He's not, he doesn't move in a what you would call a natural way. He doesn't move like Deal Fry moves, for example. But he just seems to always find a way to get a block in. And listen, he was he he he, he struggled at Coventry when he uh, in his in his last start. I thought um, against a striker like Martin Wagon, who's a bit more mobile. When when Wagon got the chance to kind of face him up and take him on, he beat him every time. Bamba struggled with that last night against Billy Sharp. It felt like a good opportunity to bring him in because, of course, you know Billy Sharp's no spring chicken himself. But um, you know, and that and that could be a case of kind of you know managing Bamba and managing the 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 way the player in terms of when the player etc. But last night, you know, we know Borough have conceded sloppy goals. We know uh, that's been an issue for them for quite some time. His experience, everything like that, just helped Borough immeasurably. I thought, you know, Dale Fry looked as good as he has for some time, probably because he had Bamborough alongside him. I think you know everybody was was in a way, you know, inspired and lifted by what Bamba was doing out there. He was just absolutely terrific. There was a moment, Dom, uh, in the second half when Bamba came out and he went ahead it and he headed it straight down to a, a Sheffield United player and they went on the attack. Uh, and he didn't panic. He got back into the box. It, the, the ball actually came past the goalkeeper and uh, Bamba was on the line practically and he cleared it out. And we were speaking off camera about this moment and the way he twists his body, he repositions himself as the ball comes in to make sure that the only angle that this ball is going to go off him is out for a corner. It's not going to go in the net. It's not going to go, you know, towards an opposition player. It's going out. And I just thought that was a really big moment. I thought that was a really clever way to defend. And whether that was me reading too much into it or whether that was just his experience showing, you know, no panic, safety first. That was the moment that stood out for me. Yeah, and, and as Craig said, I mean, all the, the blocks, there was, it did feel like he was there all the time, didn't it? That he was almost a magnet to the ball. And, you know, that's um, absolutely not by chance. It's, it's you know, through positioning and experience. And I think you said all that about that, there um, was all the stats. And, and then there's the one thing that you can't really gauge, but is probably just as important. And that's the experience and, and just the assurance that he brought to the back line. And I think especially in the second half. Borough have got a pretty wretched second half record at the Riverside this season. So even after that brilliant first half, I did kind of fear for Borough uh, at the start of the second half. And I thought, you know, Sheffield, especially when you see McGoldrick coming on and you know Sheffield United are going to get a reaction. And if they were going to, if they were going to goal, even before kind of 70, 75 minutes, the Riverside had got nervous. I think that, that was just as satisfying and impressive as the first half was the way... Borough managed the game in the second half, and and I think a lot of that was was because of Amber and, and his excellence at the back. Um, it was it was what it was certainly was certainly one of the standout individual performances of the season so far. And it's all the more incredible when you consider, as you say, everything he's been through. Um, not just obviously the fact that he's 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 beaten cancer this year, but also that even before that he hadn't made a league start. Uh, I think it was January the 1st, 2020, you've got to go back to his last league start before the Coventry game, which which Craig mentioned. Um, so, he, he, you know, he's had such a long time on the sidelines to come back in, in, you know, a fantastic, brilliant performance. And as Craig says, you know, let's not let's not think he's going to play every game. He's not. He's, he's 36-year-old and he's going to be managed carefully. But 
it's proof, isn't it, that he wasn't just brought in with Warnock doing a favour for his old mate. He was brought in because of what he can offer on and off the pitch. Just on that proposal, Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're suggesting, you know, maybe if he's coming up against a speedy sort of striker, that maybe someone else steps in um, and not bam because he's not really going to be able to handle that. But if he's coming up against someone who's a little slower, maybe he's the right man. I'm just wondering how much skill will that take from Warnock to, to kind of implement that? Because while Bamba's experience and he probably understands that if he comes up against someone speedy, he might get burned, it might be a little bit embarrassing. But whoever comes in to replace him will, I mean, you pick out a name, whoever it might be, I'm sure will be wanting to play week in, week out. Will they be happy with this, suppose, you know, if this does happen in our kind of system? Well, I think that's managing the squad, isn't it? And ultimately, you know, we saw with with the Saliki and Piero situation uh, that that you have got to manage your squad, and and you know, ultimately, as a manager, you've got to make those tough decisions. Um, you know that um, that gives the team the best chance of winning ultimately. And uh, you know, with the with the Piero and Saliki situation, we're by no means writing either of those two players off. Uh, Warnock isn't writing them off. He's he's not saying that they're not going to play again. They just have to get themselves up to speed. And and in the same way, in, in that Sol Bamba defence situation, it might not be that that Bamba even comes out of the team. Like Dom says, I think at 36, it's going to be optimistic. They expect him to play every game. Um, but just because you know the, the, the opposition have a mobile striker, it doesn't mean that Bamba has to come out of the team. It just perhaps means that you have to, you know, work on a different defensive plan for that game. Then ultimately, you've got to remember the Coventry one. He came in last moment. There wasn't, he wasn't, if you like, there hadn't been working in training where Bamba was part of that back line. He came in last moment when McNair had to withdraw with injury. So it might be that if you're coming up against an opposition and you're looking at them as, as Burr always do, and they do have a mobile striker like Martin Wagon who who will have the beating of Bamba for Pierce. You know, you just support him more. Bowler, for example, might come a bit closer from left back or Pelty or whoever it is playing closest to Bamba because it's natural that I think, you know, you can set out and see it or, you know, deal fry as your other centre-back more than likely. You know, you be the one who who follows that striker closely. You mark him closely. But as Wycorn did in that Coventry game, it's natural that they're going to look for every opportunity to peel off and, and get close to Bamba. Uh, and want the ball there so they can face him up. Um, and, and so, like I say, it's just a case of having that plan, keeping the, maybe keeping the full-back closer and just supporting him in that way. Because I definitely think, as Dom said, it more than just all his blocks and his tackles, his leadership and his assurance made Borough look stronger defensively than they have done all season. Last just night... Quick, just quickly, I, I saw the Van Dyke press conference doing the rounds again on the back. I don't know whether you've seen that. When... Uh, Warnock was Cardiff manager and he said that Sol Bamba was a better man, better defender than, than Van Dyke. And they obviously started doing the rounds. And um, when I spoke, I spoke to Bamba, well, I can't remember what game it was. Craig might remember. Uh, Neil Warnock's 1500th game in charge last season. Uh, and I spoke to kind of figures and players and managers who've um, played for him. I worked alongside him in that time. I spoke to Bamba beforehand and I asked him about that and he laughed about it and he said, you know, he, 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 Warnock didn't do him many favours there. He, uh, he he said it's all he gets asked about. But he said after that press conference, Bamba went up to him and said, you know, gaffer what you're doing. And Warnock had said, well, you're going to have to play even better now, so you're just going to make me look like a fool. So 
Hey, he did look like Van Dyke last night. It was the, certainly the uh, the championships, Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah, someone will be putting in a forty million bid in January. He continues with that form. I was just going to ask you, Dom, last night's performance, the way they played, as as well as the personnel as well. How close do you think that is to what Warnock wants to achieve in terms of style and in terms of his, you know, his first choice eleven? Well. <laughs> On, on Saturday, I think, I think, and I think what this is what Warnock will have found so frustrating. Um, it didn't look like a Neil Warnock team against Reading, and it hasn't in in a few games this season. You know the things that you always expect of a of a Warnock side, the things where your managers talking about, opposition managers talking about every week, how they're hard to play against, an awkward opposition, and Borough haven't been on a few occasions this season. Last night they were. Um, now again, I, you know, I don't think that's that won't be the starting eleven every week. That might not be the setup every week. You know, you've got Onel Hernandez coming in. You've got Isaiah Jones to kind of use as well. You know, other players, Saliki and Piero, which we're going to talk about. Um, but but that was, I think, last night um, showed that Airborough can be awkward and competitive and getting and getting the faces of opposition, but also that they can play. You know, get the ball down and play because it was good to watch. And Warnock keeps saying that this is one of the best football teams he's had. Well, we saw that last night in the first half. You know, they made life difficult for Sheffield United, but they also troubled them with with their swift movement on the ball, off the ball, the way they got it round, the way they got it to the to the flanks quickly. Sparrow's movement up front. Um, as as I keep saying, that that now has to be the springboard, and it kind of shows really that. You know, there's no excuses when you see performances like like Reading and Coventry and a few of the others that have disappointed this season. Uh, I, I just just to add to that, what Dom said as well. I was having an interesting chat with uh, with one of our colleagues in Sheffield, Nathan. He uh, he covers the Blades for for our sister site uh, Yorkshire Live, and uh, you know, before the match, he was kind of talking about Sheffield United this season and, and seeing that. The, the, the games that they've struggled in tend to be the games against the more physical sides. And and he was kind of saying that, like, you know, he's worried about the night because a typical Neil Warnock side you would expect to kind of physically impose themselves on a game. And he was saying, whereas in the games where Sheffield United have been able to get the ball down and, and play, that's when they've kind of, in more recent games, blew sides away. And, and, and I was saying, and Nathan, before the game, I was saying, actually, you know, with this Borough side, a lot of what you expect of a typical Neil Warnock side throw it out the window because Borough haven't been that as Don was saying. And and I thought, you know, Don's absolutely spot on there. It was it was interesting that I don't think Borough physically overwhelmed Sheffield United yesterday. I think they beat them, you know, as in that kind of attacking sense. They pressed high and they were physical in that regard that the you know they got in the faces and they didn't give Sheffield United any time on the ball. But they played the ball around so well. We mentioned the, the the kind of work for the first goal, the ball out of defence from Bamber and working up the left wing. They played so well with the movement and the flicks and Andrew Sporar doing that unselfish centre forward work. It wasn't a you know a brutish physical overwhelming performance from Borough. They just got in Sheffield United's face and stopped them playing and then played their own good stuff. And I thought that was what was there uh, particularly pleasing about last night. Just want to talk a bit more about Pereiro and Silky and the comments that were made earlier this week. I know we've kind of discussed some of it already, but you know, Warnock was talking about their fitness and availability. And you've said, Craig, that um, you know, he's not writing them off by any stretch. That he's just saying, you know, they need to get you know up to speed. Um, how do you think they're going to react to those comments? And 
obviously after playing so well last night, I mean, I know everyone's part of one big team, so I'm sure they're happy that uh, Middlesbrough won. But, you know, they're going to have to not only step up their fitness, but, you know, really start, I suppose, impressing in training if the, the results pick up now and the players that were playing last night continue to start and get the results that, that we all want to see Middlesbrough achieve. Yeah, and ultimately that's what they have to do. Where uh, you know this this is a football is a squad game, and uh, you know you you shouldn't be in in a team in a starting eleven based on on name or reputation. You should always earn your place in that team. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know they're both quality players, and they both hopefully have very bright futures at this football club. But ultimately, at the moment, uh, the championship is you know it's a, it's fast tempo, it is physical, it's. Uh, and it's a lot different to to uh, you know the French top tier where Saliti's coming from in Argentina, where where Piero's coming from. It is a very different style of football at that. And I think you know in the early weeks of the season we saw. Saliki was a bit of a more later arrival, but Piero in particular, he kind of was getting little cameo substitute appearances here and there, and I think that was frustrating supporters who were understandably very excited about the fact that Burrow had signed this uh, young 22-year-old Argentine midfielder. They wanted to see a lot more of him. Um, and, and there was frustration that Warner kept talking about this tempo and about this needing to get up to speed. Um, and I think it was probably after that Coventry defeat, certainly um, with Saliki and, and uh, Sporra in mind, where, where Warnock said he kind of almost said, oh, you know, screw it. Coventry was that bad. He threw them both in against Nottingham Forest, despite having said before Coventry they hadn't been able to do the fitness checks, etc. They didn't really know how fit they were. He threw them both in, um, and I think you know, particularly after what he said before last night's game, um, the the comments were perhaps misconstrued a bit in 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 thinking that he was completely writing them off and, and 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 perhaps saying that you know they weren't his players and he wasn't going to play them where i think as i say i think ultimately he has just now decided that it's up to them now they've got to get themselves up to speed and they've got to be at that level because as we mentioned earlier you saw the difference that someone like paddy mcnair in midfield made uh johnny house and looked as good as he's looked for a long time because he had that support of mcnair which he hasn't been getting from saliki or piero when they've played you know i mean in terms of, of that kind of tempo in the championship one saliki's got a, a lovely left foot but he's been very wasteful in possession because he hasn't got the time that he's used to on the ball um and he's been quite sloppy in some of his touches. He's knocked the ball so far in front of him and given possession away, where he probably did that in Liga and, and 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 you know there was nobody anywhere near him, so that he got away with that touch. He didn't get away with that in the championship. Um, so yeah, it's for me. It's not like I say we aren't writing them off. We aren't saying they haven't got a future or anything like that. They've just got to get to those standards. Uh, they've got the they've got to do the the, the unselfish work, the off the ball work that Paddy McNair was doing last night to support Housen, because as I say, you saw last night how important winning the midfield battle is. And so, you know, Borough can't be overrun and overwhelmed in midfield like they have been in recent weeks. I think I think the first thing to say is, you know, you only have to look at Andras Sparrow. What Warnock isn't saying if if you're a foreigner, we're not going to play you. You know, if you've if you've came in from abroad, you're not going to play for us because Andras Sparaz is absolutely he looks ready, doesn't he? Ready, sharp, bright. Um, it might be slightly different in that 
um, the type of player that he is anyway maybe makes him more ready-made, if, if that makes sense. But the point still stands. Um, and, you know, I've got to be honest. I agree with, for me, Piero and Saliki haven't looked ready. You know, Piero from the bench against Blackpool, you know, made a difference, didn't he? Looked bright, absolutely. And I'm not disputing for one minute that they're both lovely footballers. You know, you only have to look at their pedigree, where they've come from. One's, one's played for Argentina in the in the Olympics. The other one's played in the Champions League. So they're, they're clearly class acts. But they, they, they haven't, they don't look fit for me. They don't look ready. And, and I almost think... Warnock went back to bit. I think he's overcomplicated it in the last few weeks. And I think he probably took a step back after Saturday and thought, you know, never mind kind of what, am I, what I'm trying to do three, four, five weeks down the line. I need results here. And now it goes back to what I was saying about players he can trust, players, players he can trust, players he knows. The, the Piero thing has been an interesting one, hasn't it? Because there's been this hype about him. You know, I saw the reaction when he started against, when he was in the in the in the starting eleven at Reading on Saturday, and you know there's there's a buzz all at once. So he's come with because of kind of you know his pedigree and the fact that you know let's be honest we don't know much about him. Um, he, he's come with this excitement and 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 the hype, but judged purely on what we've seen so far this season, he shouldn't be in the team right now as things stand. Now, that's not to say in a month or two's time, he's not going to be absolutely bossing games and, and one of the best players in the championship. Um, the same goes for Saliki. I, I you know, the Warnock's frustrated that Saliki's going to go away on international duty with Cameroon by the sounds of things um, next month. That's equally frustrating as well, because I think not just from a fit... I get it from Saliki's point of view, by the way. I think for any, for any sports person, to represent their country, you know, incredible, uh, fantastic. But not just from the fitness point of view, but I think from the perspective of how much he benefit just from being around the, the training pitch for a couple of weeks or a week and a half, they might get they might get a few days off. Um, <clears throat> I think he'd benefit greatly from that. Equally, I see Saliki's point of view, so I'm not I'm not taking sides there. Um, but yeah, I, th I think as I said, ultimately Warnock was proved right on on Tuesday night. Now that's not to say that Housen and McNair are going to be a midfield too for the rest of the season. But right now, um, I think Piero and Saliki, the, the focus has to be on getting them fit. There is a balance to be struck. You know, I, I get the argument that bringing them on for four or five minutes at the end of a game doesn't get you match fit. But equally, and this might sound harsh. Borough aren't in a position at the minute where they can where they can carry players. I think just to add to that as well, that Don mentioned, you know, bringing them on for for four or five minutes isn't isn't going to get them match fit. But I think it's not just fitness; it's it's getting up to you know getting used to that speed and that tempo, and and also you know the way Warnock wants the team to play. We know he needs that you know kind of defensive solidity, if you like. And we've mentioned the importance of of not being overrun in that midfield. So I think you know even just a game last night where the both sat on the bench and watched it for 90 minutes, that proves valuable to them in learning because they'll have been, I presume, asked or told to watch McNair and and, and watch what he's doing, particularly when Borough don't have the ball. And, and that, for me, is the important thing that both Saliki and Piero need to improve on to to you know to to get themselves into that Borough team, they need to do what McNair did last night when Borough don't have the ball. They need to offer that support to Helson uh, uh, defensively, 
And and so, you know, just because they're not involved in the game, it doesn't mean that they're not still gaining something from sitting and watching it. And what, and what I will say, just quickly before we move on, obviously Warnock's known for his man management, has been for many years. Um, you know, it's equally as important, isn't it, to to man-manage carefully those players who aren't currently in the plans or who aren't playing. So, you know, it's been talked about for Piero, this <clears throat> coming over, not speaking the language, not really not really knowing it well, obviously not knowing anyone. Um, I don't know what kind of family details who he's come over with, but it, it's obviously a, a difficult time for him. So the fact that he's, he's, things are taking time for him to get up to speed on the pitch obviously makes things even more difficult. So... You know, it goes without saying that that support needs to be in place, doesn't it? Just to make sure that, you know, they're both happy away because, you know, if they're happy away from the game, then you're more likely to get to get to get the best of them on the pitch. I know a lot of people often ask about Middlesbrough's options going forward um, in terms of a striker. With what more starting up top last night, we kind of spar up there as well. I know you had you on the on the bench, but is um is what more the biggest threat you think in terms of a, a forward? Do you see him having that position until at least maybe January, when maybe they will go out and maybe bring in someone else? How do you see the forward line working, Craig? It's an interesting one. So it's an interesting dynamic. I thought last night, particularly in the way they started, because you know Warnock mentioned that he, he he expected that Sheffield United would kind of look at the starting lineup and and expect a four three three with with what more and Tavernier kind of more wide and, and he said I thought that might encourage them to bring out the centre backs. And so he almost, you know, Tavernier was a lot wider. Um, you know, he was quite wide right, whereas Watmore was a lot closer to Sporrow. Uh, and there wasn't as much width on that left-hand side, which Don mentioned earlier, encouraged Bowler to get further forward. Um, so it was an interesting dynamic the way they did that. It wasn't what you would call kind of, you know, like a, 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 a fluid or a kind of, you know, standard setup, if you like, in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I think Borough have got so many different attacking options in terms of, you know, we've mentioned Hernandez eventually to come back it when back in when he gets up to fitness. Isaiah Jones is there and he can be used. Tavernier can play multiple different roles um, in, in that kind of forward area. And and as you mentioned, Nick Piazza offers, offers something completely different uh, to Sparar as a, a centre forward as well. But yeah, I think ultimately um, we asked Warnock about what more after the game last night. And he, he mentioned that it wasn't just the, the kind of early injury and fitness concerns with what more that has kept him away from the team. It was the fact that ultimately he, he disappointed in training as well. He, he was training poorly, as Warnock put it. But then in recent weeks, that's you know gone up uh, a couple of levels, if not uh, just one. And he's he's been training brilliantly, and that's got him back into the team. And and I think ultimately, you know, as we as Don mentioned earlier, he he set the early tone with his energy and his pressing and. Um, he, he, he was brilliant last night. Uh, he looked like a man on a mission to get himself back into that team and back into that setup. And, and certainly for now, you know, he, he holds the place of the team. And, and you know, we mentioned Saliki and uh, and Piero and their need to kind of work up the fitness and, and train well to get in the team. Well, look no further than Duncan Watmore because, you know, what Warnock's telling us that he was we off the team at the start of the season because his training levels weren't up to the standard. He get he gets his training levels up to standard. He's in the team. 
he takes his opportunity. So for those two who have just been discussing, look no further than Watmore as your inspiration that they can get in the team. But yeah, in terms of, you know, the forward line, but it, there's so many different options. There's so many different ways to play it. At the minute, Watmore's in possession of that jersey. He'll deserve to play again on Saturday at home. But I think you've also got to always take into consideration the opposition. Um, you know, whoever's coming up next might have particular weaknesses or vulnerabilities uh, and Borough have different options um, and different types of forwards where they can play in different ways that would hopefully work well against the opposition vulnerabilities. I've got to be, just quickly, I've got to be honest, I, I was surprised by those Warnock quotes on um, what Moss training because, uh, you know, all we've heard is the absolute opposite. I'm not questioning him, but then equally, you know, I'm not for one minute saying that um, what more would, would kind of throw it in in training, anything but, because all you hear is the fact that he's an absolute model professional. And I spoke to him in the summer, um, and this was his first proper pre-season in a long while because of injury and then the Sunderland situation. And and obviously the summer before he didn't have a club. And he was, he was absolutely desperate to get going and to kick on this season. So I can well imagine that he was, you know, as frustrated as anyone. He's not, you know, Duncan Watmore is not a player who... He's happy to sit on the sit on the bench and pick his wages up. You know, he's. Uh, I think anyone who's ever read any interviews from him or, or watched any interviews with him, you can see exactly what type of character he is. Um, he's as he's as honest as they come. And and um, last night he did play like like he had a point to prove, as Craig said. Um, I, I've been surprised really, especially given that Borough have maybe lacked that bit of spark that what more hasn't played as as much as he has. As I say, we're you know, we're not privy to what goes on at, at Rockcliffe. But I was I was I was chuffed to bits that he took his chance last night because I yeah I like watching Watmore play. Yeah, most certainly. Um on to Saturday then and it is Hull away. They've not had the best to start six points so far on the board. They drew um I don't know who they played, but they did draw the last game one one. Um it's a game that Middlesbrough will be I would I would say favourites for Craig. And you would you would think a game that Warnock's definitely targeting um A to continue this momentum and B because with the international break coming up, you want to get a win and make sure you're as close to that top six as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think Saturday uh, is so important now. Um we, we mentioned, you know, the kind of important fail to Sheffield United and, and the fact that it was such a huge win and an important win, but the true significance of of yeah, last night's victory, Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield United victory, I think lies with what happens at Hull City as well. We've had two victories before. It's been a very underwhelming start of the season. We've had two wins that they've not built upon. They've not used as catalysts to to get the season going. Um, last night felt different in that for me it was the first time they have looked really comfortable and you know really deserved the win. Uh, looked so comfortable in getting it. Uh, but it, as I say, it's got to now be the building blocks. It's got to be what they use to go on and, and go on maybe a run or at very least get another three points head, at all heading into the international break. So for me, Sheffield United will only be the huge victory we feel it is at the moment as long as the they back it up with another three points against Hull City on, on Saturday. The, the, to me, they've got to use it and they've got to win. 
Dom, I mean, Craig's spot on there, isn't he? And there's there's no reason why, you know, come next week when we're talking about what's happened down at the KC or whatever it's called these days, we won't be talking about about a win because, I mean, Borough have to be fair, it's going into this one. I know, just quickly on on the change in names of stadiums, I couldn't believe it when I got to Reading last week and it was the Select Car Leasing Stadium. How's this gone over my head? Um, You have to check every year whether Pride Park, still Pride Park, although I'm sure when they were sponsored by iPro, I think it was. They were dishing out cans of iPro in the press room, which wasn't bad. But uh, anyway, back on point. Um, I can't even remember what the point was. Yeah, the you know, Hull's form's dreadful. Good point last night. Obviously got the late goal, which will boost them. I think they equalised in the 84th minute. Um, they needed that. Struggling to score goals. Um, I think the one thing is they, they, were, they were probably expecting this season in that, you know, they were always probably expecting to be in a scrap at the bottom. So it's not like that will have caught them by surprise. But Grant McCann, for all that he has done, a, uh, did a brilliant job in getting them back up. His recent record in the championship, you know, the back end of the championship season when they went down, uh, when they obviously plummeted. You know, I remember them beating Borough when Jared Bourne was still there. And at that point, I think they were two points off the top six in December time. And they ended up going down that season. Um it, it looks on paper to be the perfect game for Borough to go and build on the Sheffield United. Now I know that's dangerous. I see your, I see your face there. I know that's that's kind of dangerous, but it it, it it is, isn't it? You know, you can't ignore that. They're in wretched form. Um, if Borough can go there and, and and bully them and build on, you know, produce more of what we saw last night, then there's absolutely no excuse for and no reason they can't win. And then suddenly. The international break feels a whole lot different to what it would have done on Monday because you know you wake up on Monday morning after Reading um, and all that comes with that. You look at the table and and it had the makings of being a long, long fortnight with questions about you know where where are we going this season, what what's this season all about? Had this season not gone to plan? Classic, classic football fan. I'm looking at the championship table after the Sheffield United game, thinking, well, you know, I think. If they can get a win against Hull, then you, you, you might go into the into the international break, whatever, two or three points off the top six. I know that's like classic football short-termism, but we all do it. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I, I just think it, it's so important to win there, not just for the table, not just for momentum, but for the mood in that in that two-week break. Most certainly. And it's Craig, you heading down. To hold this this weekend, come on then. Are you making an all-in-one stop? Or are you going to stop over, taking some of the coast? Uh, no, just all one go, just there and back on the day. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I think we should probably tell the story as well about last week quickly about uh, you know how we almost spoiled my dad's uh, surprise 60th birthday party because <laughs> of course it, it was completely my fault uh, knowing we were coming live on Facebook. I forgot to tell the lads that uh, that. The reason I wasn't at Redden at the weekend was because it was my dad's 60th and we were having a surprise birthday for him. Didn't tell Musgrove this and of course he asked um, during the podcast whether I was going to Redden and which point I had to point out that it was Dom going. Um, my dad thought mm-hmm. I was at Redden so as not to give the game away that he was having a surprise birthday party but thankfully he, he mustn't have watched when your dad, when your dad pretends that he's your biggest fan and says, "I listen to all the podcasts," you can say, well, "Actually, dad, I know you don't," because yeah. you know about your surprise sixtieth. 
Well, the irony being that last week was our most listened to podcast. So thank you to everyone who did tune in on the podcast channel, of course, watching live on Facebook. But your dad wasn't one of them, Craig. So he must have been, huh? There you go. Thanks, Papa John's. Um, we'll finish as usual with the prediction then, lads. Craig, I'll come to you first. How's it going to end on Saturday? I think it'll be another very similar to Sheffield United. I think they'll they'll go there, they'll, they'll assert control, they'll be comfortable and they'll win 2-0 again. Tom? Yeah, given all I've said before then, I can't really say that Borough aren't going to go there and win. I, I agree with Craig. I think a comfortable and confident win uh, 2-0. Yeah, I'm going to go with 2-0 as well, which makes me worry given that you described them as the perfect game for Middlesbrough, that it is probably the perfect banana peel for Middlesbrough to slip up upon. Well, I'm off, I'm off next week, so if things don't go to plan, at least I'm not going to be on the pod to take the rap for it. <laughs> when he said that, I immediately thought of Blackpool because we all thought the same after Nottingham Forest and Blackpool being <clears> that game. So I was no, like, oh, th- Things have changed. right? We're on, we're on a good path here. This is going to be the start. The momentum's building. And uh, next week's podcast will all be about how Middlesbrough beat Hull comfortably. And uh, we'll have a lovely review of that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you're listening on the podcast channel, please remember to like and subscribe. And fingers crossed for a Borough win this weekend.